1: So, John, when did you start taking medication?
2: Uh, it was about two years ago. Um, I'm the type of person who will avoid medication at all costs if I if I can help it. Um, so I went through, um, you know attempting anything I could I could think of or that I could read online uh homeopathic stuff you know mm. vitamin d supplements um I was working out heavily you know like five days a week um I just thought well you know this is probably seasonal affective disorder or um you know environmental you know because I had a lot of stuff going on with my job at the time too I was unhappy in my my career and and so there were a lot of other external factors and so um Yeah, about two years ago, I finally got to the point where I was like, okay, um, this isn't working and I'm about to start a family and I don't ever want my daughter to see me like this.
1: So was your wife pregnant at the time?
2: Um, I think it was right before she got pregnant. So maybe we're we're going on possibly three years now, I think. And um, so it was, I know we were definitely actively trying at that point and Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, I, I have to get this straightened out because um, you know i don't know people probably aren't you know who, who don't suffer from depression probably aren't as familiar with the fact that there are definitely hereditary um yeah uh, aspects to it and it definitely runs in my family mm. um, i've got a brother who who takes medication i've got my dad as well and uh, we're pretty we're pretty certain fairly certain that my grandfather uh, did as well yeah undiagnosed and untreated but we're fairly certain that he suffered from it for a large part of his life.
1: So, looking back now, he um, saw a doctor, I'm guessing, family mm-hmm. doctor, and he put you on something. What did he put you on?
2: So, yeah, I, I started out, um, I, I started going to a counselor because um, I thought, well, okay. Sure. Maybe I could talk this out. You know, I always, you know, you know me, I always think that <laughs> I can reason things out. <laughs> so, I'll talk it out. It'll yeah, be fine. Yeah. So I started with that, and i went to and actually a, it was a counselor who is um affiliated through the uh uh i guess the the church that we go to sure and uh, so it was a you know biblical counselor, and I thought, okay, this this is the way to go. This sure. feels good. Yeah, because I've got God and counseling, right?
1: Spirituality and psychology. Like I can't lose. Like this is right. going to work.
2: <laughs> <laughs> her prayers have more weight, right? So I've always told her that. But um, so I started going to her, and um, she was super supportive. She said, "All right, you know, um, we'll, we'll we'll start you know with the the therapy portion of it, and." Um, you know, she recommended some supplements and some things cause a lot of people are severely vitamin D deficient. Sure. Um, and I, I found out later that I was as well. Um, uh, but I went to her for probably about a year or so, um, until I got to the point where I was like, I just can't, I can't get a handle on this. Mm. Um, and so then, you know, through my family doctor, between the two of them, um, I, I was prescribed uh, Lexapro. Mm. And so I start out with a low dosage of that and then uh kind of up that dosage until we kind of found uh a level that, you know, could, could kind of manage my,
1: was it, my depression. Go was ahead. it um was it for us so you know you you identify that you need some help and the first thing you do is I think probably um a really good thing. You you wanna just talk about it, some people that are um wise, trained um, can point you in the right direction. What did you experience a certain level of frustration when that sort of quote, I'm using air quotes now, like didn't work and you had to like take further measures. Like, did you experience any additional anxiety? Was there any additional feelings of like wrestling, struggling with that?
2: Um, not, not so much. I think it was just kind of and maybe this is just me. I, I certainly don't speak for everyone who who suffer from suffers from depression. But I I know for me it was just a matter of, okay, this didn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, let's move on to the next thing until we figure it out. But at least I was at a point where I was where I was willing to admit that you know I needed help and I couldn't do it on my own. Right. <clears throat> so it was more along the lines of I was hopeful at all points and and, and just kind of waiting to find the right medication or the mm-hmm. right combination of things sure. to, to, uh, to improve things. Sure.
1: Looking back, like before you started to seek treatment, like how long, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. how long mm-hmm. would you say that you remember wrestling with something?
2: Oh, man. Um, I've thought about that a lot, actually. Um, definitely m- most of my 20s. I think, uh, probably going back possibly to my teens Mm. uh, for a long time. And, um, you know, my dad also uh, was kind of the same thing. He had probably suffered from it for a long time, much longer than than he's been on medication for it. Mm. And, uh, you know, so I didn't, so I'd kind of seen the telltale signs, you know, through others. And so for me, mm-hmm. I was able to kind of pick up on it probably because of that a little bit earlier than maybe I would have. Um, But yeah, definitely through my 20s for sure. Um, yeah. And once you, once you know the symptoms and once you can identify those, like, you know, it's kind of easy to see it in others, you know? Mm, I bet. And uh, definitely easy to, to easier to look back and, and say, okay, yeah, that's probably what that was. Man.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Was something that you were struggling with and then fast forward you eventually sought counsel and
2: started to get treatment for it what does it feel like oh man that's a good question um Everyone's symptoms, I mean there's there's obviously a list of symptoms. Um and, and when you go in to a counselor or a doctor, um, and they and they look to see if you are a candidate for anti you know depressants, mm-hmm. essentially. Um, you know, there is a checklist that they go through to see if you meet the criteria for someone who may be suffering from depression. Um depression there are there are essentially three uh, levels of depression uh, mild moderate, and severe mm-hmm. um, I was diagnosed with moderate, so um I can only imagine what what severe must be like i 've never for example had suicidal thoughts or anything of that nature um but i 've known people around me who have mm-hmm. and um so so basically my my personal symptoms were um, just overall melancholy um when when I hit a low um when I get when i can't manage my 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 symptoms my depression um it's very much of a situation where i don't i don't want to do anything i don't want to get up uh, very much a lack of motivation Mm. um just you know um as i have just described it even to my wife um it's kind of like so you 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 might have an emotional reaction to something in your life right Mm -hmm. but as opposed to having a normal level of emotional reaction, it's amplified to an extreme. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I, I had a moment, you know, I don't mind sharing this where um, I was alone with my daughter for five days. You know, my wife went out of town and it was like the first time she had, she had, you know, been gone. And, and so I was like, this is great. I've got some, some great bonding time with my daughter. and mm. And you know, my daughter, she is adorable. <laughs> she's like sunshine personified. <laughs> oh, just huge, just happy personality. And I mean, she's, golden curly locks Ugh. little dimples yeah sweet little voice
1: <laughs> i always see her when she's in her pajamas too and goodness yeah Ugh. little
2: footies Ugh, but i mean she's she's a sweetheart anyway so you know i probably would have felt this way anyway mm. but by the end of that five days you know i realized i was going to put her to bed and i'm like man I'm like that five days is over already, hmm. you know? And I really had a good time, you know, spending time with her and being able to really bond one-on-one because, you know, I'm not home every day. I work Monday through Friday. I get that, yeah. So, you know, I went to put her to bed and of course she was extra cute that night. <laughs> she put on her little Daniel Tiger owl mask. Oh, she man. wanted to wear that to bed <sighs> and she she was super tired. So she's cuddled up on her teddy bear that she calls Teddy B. Oh, and, Stop. Yeah. And so I put her to bed and I walk out of that room, and I am a mess.
1: Oh, what like? What do you mean by that?
2: Like, I I, I would say crying, mm. but it was more like just uncontrollable weeping for just about like a half an hour. Hot tears, red. Yes. Yeah, I get that. Just, just I could not stop. And in you the were middle blubbering. of it, I was, yeah. I was, yeah. And you know, I've been there. Yeah, it's like okay, you know, that's that's a normal reaction to a degree. Mm-hmm. But the the level at at the point where I'm like, man, I can't, I just can't stop. I just oh, feel dude. just so depressed right now. Like I don't even want to go back to work tomorrow. Like
1: it was like swallowing you.
2: Yeah. Just I felt overwhelmed by it, like I couldn't control it. Like, you know, I, I look back and when I was talking to my wife about it, I, I I remember I called her that night. She was coming home later that night and I was like, I need to go in and talk to my doctor.
1: Like oh, man.
2: things are things are a little out of whack and and at that point, by the way, I had been on uh, this the Lexapro, sure, dose for a couple of years, and so um, i had been on it for a while, and I had noticed something was a little off. Like once you you've dealt with it for a while, you can kind of feel sure when things are a little off, like your levels or whatever you want to call them. Yeah, and the way I've always described it is is uh, Lexapro for me has always felt like um, I can still feel the 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 dips or the lows coming on mm-hmm. but I, I but i i could feel i could almost feel and this is weird probably but i could almost feel like the Lexapro just forming like a wall and it just hits that wall yeah. it's like nope we're not gonna drop i don't think that's weird so i'm like for me it's always been like you know Lexapro's always been this beautiful thing because it just kind of hits me from keeps me prevents me from being able to to really dive deep into this this low and uh, for some reason, for the for the two weeks prior to that incident, like I just felt like, man, I I feel kind of you know feeling the melancholy again, and and kind of the um, just everything. I was very super irritable. That's another you know sign, and just like you know just just really bored. Everything just felt like I was not interested in anything. Nothing was really lighting my fire at that point. And uh, and Jamie was noticing my wife. You know, she's like, man. He's a little grumpy lately, you know, mm. and so
1: oh, you had had a um a little surgery too,
2: yeah, yeah, at yeah. the time, yeah, I had foot surgery um so uh this is shortly after that, you know and and so i I could kind of feel you know this coming on, and then so when that does hit, that
1: cause like does that make you worry cause it's like I'm on medication, yeah, like things are going on, mm-hmm. and I feel like what like it's not enough or it's not doing it or something else is going on or that's got to feel pretty
2: yeah i i mean i'm 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 a person who who values my relationships around me um to the fullest i mean Mm -hmm. i've always been a very social person um i've always been um i'd like to think a super loyal friend and totally and so like i know that that if i can't get a handle on my, on my emotions. And if I'm not, you know, my normal self, then I know that can negatively impact my, my relationships. And so that concerns me because the whole reason I went out in the first place was because I'm like, I want, I don't want this to neg- negatively impact my marriage. Mm-hmm. I don't, I certainly don't want my, want my daughter to see sure, me sure. like that. And so, yeah. So Good I was like, you, man.
1: oh man, you know, I mean, what? for you and everybody else that's listening to this, like I have never myself personally struggled with these kinds of things. And all I can say is like, just good job. Like, thank you. Like, I mean, it's just, yeah, just, that's great. Like doing something about it. I just feel like there's probably so many people I know, like you had mentioned your dad is on medication and Mm -hmm. didn't start until he was, you know, well, you know, into his whatever years, I don't know when it was, but like later in life. And mm-hmm. the uh, same thing happened to my mom. And all I know is like when, they, when she finally like made that step, it was a game changer. And it's like, good job, because getting over that hurdle, because it's not just for you, it's for yourself. And I love what you said. It wasn't you relating it to your wife, your kid, your friends, your colleagues, your neighborhood, whatever you want to say. I think that's a really important step. Like, it's not just about you. You aren't just about you. Yeah,
2: yeah, absolutely. And and I've known people in my life since high school um, and up through college. I've I've got you know, uh, friends and acquaintances and people who are around me as well as family members who have dealt with this illness mm-hmm. and on, on varying levels of extremes. And I've, I've had friends attempt suicide and, you know, because it got to that level sure. untreated, um, undiagnosed, you know? And, uh, <sighs> yeah. yeah, man, I think, I think my dad, your mom, I think there was this stigma, uh, from that generation where it was just, uh, especially for for males oh my gosh yeah dude v- viewed as a as a weakness still or, is you know and and, we, and it that's so stupid so stupid um you know e- even though more women statistically than men suffer from depression there are still thousands and thousands of men out there who who, who deal with this and it's kind of viewed as this kind of like you just need to buck up son, yeah you know and And, you know, quit crying and and get over it and, you know, work out more, whatever, you know, go hunting, whatever, you know, whatever masculine activity you need to do. And, um, I'm telling you, man, it's just, it's not, that's not the way it works.
1: No, man, that's total bullshit.
2: Yeah. I mean, it, it, it is, it's, uh, it is, uh. A chemical imbalance and sure there are environmental issues with that and and there are you know vitamin deficiencies and stuff like that Every, you know a lot of people get the the winter blues you know
1: it's a it's a complicated issue mm-hmm. you know
2: just like we talk about
1: on the show and uh you know to borrow from rob bell and from heschel and from you know all these great thinkers like there's no such thing as physical emotional or spiritual as these segmented compartmentalized phenomenons they're entangled yeah. they're they they're influential upon each other they are a system that works together like everything is like part of everything else yeah and so yeah of course there's chemical imbalances there is and like who knows if this is kind of like autism and asperger's now where it's like it's been going on for a long time and just now we're starting to get language and and Mm. data and diagnoses and and these kinds of things and are are starting to get into the popular consciousness and maybe a lot of people have suffered from we know that a lot of people have suffered from depression since god knows who long like i know like one of the most famous like preachers of all time charles haddon spurgeon Chronic depression. Yeah, chronic depression. One of the mm-hmm. best hymn writers ever, William Cooper. Chronic depression. Luther, depression. Yeah, like all of these guys, depression. And you said your dad is a pastor. Yeah, and he is medicated as well. I, I, yeah. I just think that is people need to hear this stuff.
2: Yeah. Um. You know, like you said, my dad didn't. Uh, didn't uh, go on medication until. Probably almost his fifties. I want to say. I mean, for been a long time. Good for him. And even that, even that was was um, not the most fun situation. Uh, just because it's an it's an inexact science, right? So mm. everybody's bodies are different. Everybody's chemical mm. situation is completely different, and so it's kind of a crapshoot. You know, you start out on a low dosage, and it's all about um, med checks and going in, and them, uh, you know. How you doing? How you doing? How you feeling? Yeah. What's going on? Yeah. And so, uh for my dad, when he first went on, for example, um, you know, that part of it had to do with the fact he, he went to kind of an old school doctor at the beginning and this dude just put him on way too much stuff. Oh. So, he ended up with a better doctor who, you know, uh did a much better job. <laughs> we'll, put, we'll put it oh, that way. Oh, man. But, it, it, but it's a prime example of just – uh Not the correct dosage, putting him on too much too soon and all this stuff. And, um, sure. It's like, you need to be on lithium and yeah. benzodiazepines and tricyclics and
1: Adderall and <laughs> yeah. dopamine and SSRIs and SNRIs. And,
2: oh, my gosh, it's like the movie Garden State. Yeah. <laughs> it was like a, a wacky cocktail. And and so, I mean, the adverse effects, you know, my dad became kind of this zombie, you oh, know. Oh, man. Lost a ton of weight. And he's always had this, you know, just jolly belly. And uh, when that's not there, Since we know something's belly. up. Yeah. It's his dad belly. Dad bod. Yeah. <laughs> So like, you know, so for, you know, for my dad and, and, and for many, many others, it was a matter of the doctor uh, taking the time and trying to figure out the right balance for him, mm. the right medications. You know, for me, Lexapro is a beautiful thing. It's a very gentle medication and it, sure. and it works well for me. For others, that may not even phase them. Right. They may, may need to try something else. And so... Or multiples. Or, or different or, dosages. Yeah. You know, like Goodness. for me now, I'm on, I'm on two different medications. Okay. Um, As well as a a vitamin D supplement uh, that is uh, insane and I didn't even know existed. So um, that's awesome. Yeah. Apparently, my vitamin D levels this last time around were in the cellar. So (laughs) I'm on 50,000 IUs. It's because
1: you're Scottish and you hate the sun. It's true.
2: Very (laughs) fair skin.
1: So, with your dad, like, was there any stigma attached to the fact that he was, you know, this long term pastor? Like, what was the. obviously he's not here right now, but like, Mm -hmm. do you remember him saying anything about, or did you pick up on anything about the fact that not only is he a man, not only is he like the patriarch of his family, sure, but he's a pastor.
2: You know, it's funny. My, my dad uh, has a a handful of degrees. I I tease him all the time. He just collects degrees, but his uh, second master's degree is actually in mental health counseling. No way. And so I think around the time that he was finishing up this degree, I think that was kind of around the time where he was like, okay, like, I need to go in and and, fi- and figure something out here. Like this is applying to me too. Yeah. Wow. And, and so, um, I don't recall any stigma attached or or any negative um, negativity surrounding him choosing to go on medication. Hmm. But you all. said
1: it took him a lot long. Like, like you said, it took him
2: a while. Yeah. Um, and I think there is something, and I'm speaking obviously for him now, I don't know for sure, but um, I think there's definitely something to um, most people, because I know I did this, hmm. where I was like, well, I have a lot of environmental stuff going on mm. right now, you know? Um, and, and so, sometimes it's hard to separate the environmental stuff out from what's truly potentially a chemical imbalance
1: totally so you're saying i'm not depressed it's
2: just this it's this pressure yeah i just it's have, my new boss right
1: it's you know this pain in the ass congregant it's <laughs> right you know uh, i hate my elder board right now or you mm-hmm. know we're money trouble or sure we moved or you're married or whatever
2: is that what you mean by like environmental exactly gotcha um it just just things going on around you stressors caused by everyday life um and, and so, you know, for for me, I thought for sure. You know, I you know, just job I sure. hated. Man, I get that. You know, and and uh it, whatever the case may be. And, yeah. And so I think I think perhaps there was a little bit of that. Mm. You know. Um yeah, he's a pastor. <laughs> yeah. I mean that there's job always easy. <laughs> oh my gosh. I know a little about that. Yeah. Yeah. Just the, a little. The church politics, man, they don't tell you about that when you go Whoa. to seminary. <laughs> so Yeah, there's certainly um, a large degree of stress, um, you know, it comes with the job. And so, you know, I wonder, there's probably a portion of it that he attributed to that. And um, so, I think, you know, I got lucky in regards to the fact that my dad went before me um, Mm. in identifying his depression and getting treatment for it. So, So it was probably easier for me, right? Sure, of course. You know, probably a decade later uh, when I was like, all right, this is probably what it is. Well, the
1: cool thing about that, man, is you had mentioned how depression is generational. Right. And how it's, you know, something that's passed down and that's gotta be a huge burden for a parent to think like, you know, as soon as my kids are struggling with depression, if I struggle with depression, it's like, you know, this guilt and shame and this burden of like, man, did I do this to them? Did I put this on them? But look at how your dad broke that cycle by like getting medicated first and passing down almost like a solution along with the burden. I mean, it's, it's undoing a lot of it and I think that's so beautiful. And if parents are listening to this right now and they're contemplating, you know, that same thing, Like, just take that for what it's worth. We're not telling you what to do, but consider the fact that you didn't just—you don't just have the opportunity to pass down your genetics. You have your opportunity to pass down decisions and wisdom. Mm. And um, yeah, absolutely. Soapbox here.
2: No, that's 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 exactly it. Um, If if anything, if nothing else, the fact that my dad was able to humble himself and you know proceed with with some sort of treatment plan. Allowed me to not only identify those characteristics in myself, but but see that it was totally okay uh, for me to go in and try to say, you know what, I can't do this on my own anymore. Hmm. It, it's time for me to to try to step it up and and you know possibly look at some medication options. hear you but I'm afraid to be near you and I don't know where to begin
1: and I so inside the church this has a lot of stigma attached to it um we live in the west and in the west whether we like it or not the health and wealth, prosperity, theology has just completely infiltrated every corner of the church. I don't care how far and hard and whatever you try to do to get away from it, it's there. So knowing that there's this current, this infection within spirituality, Christianity, whatever, and you're trying to participate in a faith community Mm -hmm. and you're struggling with this, I mean, how do you see churches typically handling this issue? I just, I want to hear from you. I mean, from a, as a pastor, I, I've got my own theoretical perspectives, which maybe I can add in later. But what I'm really curious about is, as someone who has struggled and struggles with depression, how does the church usually handle this kind of stuff?
2: I think it, I think it entirely depends on what type of church that you are a part of. So I was born and raised Lutheran, ELCA Lutheran, uh Evangelical Lutheran Church of America. Yeah. Um, and I think I think they they've been a little more progressive on the mental health issue. So mm. um so I, I saw others, you know, pretty well supported. Um that's good. You know, within within our church. Certainly within our church. Um but I know having a part of other churches with, you know, within other denominations or Mm -hmm. non-denominational, not real well, Mm. you know, there, I think there is this stigma attached to it or this shame or this, um, well, you just, you just need to pray harder.
1: Yeah. Almost like it's a symptom, like that something's wrong in your life or you don't have enough faith or.
2: Or it's something that, that can be prayed away. Mm. And I, I certainly, I'll put my Christian hat on for a second. You know, I certainly believe in the power of prayer, you Mm. know. I wouldn't do it if I didn't believe that there was some positive effect mm-hmm. of prayer, you know. Sure. Um however, I also believe strongly that that God created human beings with with different gifts, different giftings, you know, and um you know, just for as, as an example, you and I have two different, you know, very different gifts. You are an amazing speaker and 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 that is definitely a gift uh that that you've been given, you know, and and I believe Likewise, that there are other people who are born with the gifts to be doctors and Mm -hmm. scientists Mm -hmm. and athletes and whatever. And so, for me, I've seen too many times where there's a situation where um, a a pastor or or a congregation or um, a community Mm -hmm. um, had an opportunity to say, you know what, brother or sister, um, you know, I think I think there are people that God has blessed with gifts that can truly help you mm-hmm. in a long term basis, and and they're psychiatrists or psychologists or counselors or or doctors, whatever, mm. um, who who can really help you out. And um, and instead, though, I think the reaction has been, well, let's just pray and let's just pray about it, and 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 yeah. God will 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 heal you.
1: Almost like. Um... Like we're still back in the first century, believing in like that literal form of like demon possession. Yeah, where it's just like, oh yeah, just pray the demon out. Just pray the demon out. Like right. you know, if you're depressed or if you struggle with anxiety or panic disorder or you know mm-hmm. um, bipolar disorder, whatever you know, mm-hmm. whatever um, mental illness or whatever you want to call it, you're struggling with. There's this kind of like, oh well, those things are spiritual because we can't see them, right, and can't evaluate it under a microscope. And so, since we can't see it, it must be spiritual, and so we should pray. And if the prayer doesn't work, maybe you deserve it or or whatever. Maybe there's something wrong in your spiritual life, and it's just, there's nothing that makes me more angry
2: than that. That just takes it to a whole new level of bad. Ugh, at that point, getting mad
1: right now. I it need just, to take a drink. Hold on.
2: Yeah, it's like you know it, it, that individual is probably already feeling a great deal of guilt and shame, mm-hmm. and then that just takes it to a whole new level. And yeah. I'm like, you are so full of shit yes. if you think that's if you think that's the way to go about it. And and again, certainly to go back to the whole prayer thing, like I certainly believe there's a time and a place where prayer can do amazing things.
1: Never stop praying.
2: Never stop praying. But it should be a prayer and yes. a situation.
1: Oh, there yes. are
2: wonderful doctors out there. My doctor, personally, uh, show me the. Ver- I'm sorry, just show oh, me the verse it. in
1: the Bible because I don't want to get away from this. Show yeah. me the verse in the Bible, since you know most of these people that say this are biblical literalists anyway. Mm-hmm. Show me the verse in the Bible that says pray only. Right, right. Like exactly. we should just sit around and just pray, like about <laughs> like for everything, and just not lift a finger, not do anything. Like mm-hmm. it's just so silly,
2: right? So dumb. Well, and, and and firsthand, my doctor, my medical doctor, is an amazing human being and um, is, is always running behind because of the fact that he takes as much time as he needs to with each mm-hmm. patient to make sure that they're well cared for. And he also happens to be a Christian. And uh, so, I, I think it's it's how uh, do you know that
1: he's a Christian just out of curiosity
2: uh he he brought it up once wow, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. really cool, yeah he said uh um i don't I don't even remember how it, how it came up, it may have been when I first started.
1: It just means like the reason I asked it it must inform what he does, otherwise he wouldn't bring it up like it's not like he's absolutely anyway, that's cool
2: and that's really uh cool. yeah, I think it, it may have come up the first time he started treating me for for depression right on. And uh, I just remember that he immediately was Mm. like, he came on his lunch break uh, to take care of me. That's the kind of guy this guy is. So, I I, I just, I know firsthand that there are Christians out there who are using their God-given gifts Mm. to help others.
1: Man, and and that's
2: the answer to prayer. Yes, that is my answer to prayer. Ah you know, we prayed for, for years that, uh, I would, I would find some sort of, uh, solution to this issue. And mm. my solution was Dr. B, you know? yeah, And, uh, and so the second time around when I was like, okay, something's, something's off, you know, I need to go back in and see him. Um, you know, I got on the, that new fancy hub thing, oh, yeah. you know, where you can yeah. e- essentially email your doctor. Yeah, And so I did, I said, I, I think something's off, you know, and immediately that night at like 9.30 PM, he's like, uh, come in Friday morning. I'll make. I'll, I'll squeeze you in. Well, wow. He's like, I will take care of you,
1: man. That's so cool. And and that so, is such an answer to prayer.
2: Yeah. And so that's that. For me, is it, I never felt, at least this time around, I never felt like, you know, there's no hope. Mm. I immediately felt a little better, you know, cause I knew I was going to go in and that he was going to take care of me and sure. that it may not work right away, but I knew eventually somewhere down the line, we were going to find the right, you know, combination and I was going to feel better again. And right. I do, you know. Right,
1: man, I love that. It's almost like that, um, that there's this old like preacher's anecdote that everybody's probably heard, but it, it, it's fitting to say it again where the guy is drowning in the middle of the ocean mm-hmm. and praise that God would save him. And he prays and he prays and he prays and he, and he hears, you know, from God, like, yes, I'm going to save you. And a helicopter comes in out of nowhere and they, you know, helicopter down, like to the guy, like cover down to the guy. And they say, come on, we're here to save you. And he goes, nope, God's going to save me. And they're like, what? God's going to save me. And they're like, all right. So they get out of there. Next thing you know, like a boat, like a speed boat like comes up over the horizon and passes the guy and they're like, hey, we're here to save you. Nope, God's going to save me. What? Yeah, God's going to save me. I'm waiting for God. Okay. And so like, you know, thing after thing after thing happens. And you know, the point is like, we you know, we pray or quote unquote or whatever, wish for things. But when they don't look like divine or they don't look spiritual, if they just look normal, then it's not salvation or whatever. We're all waiting on this like salvation that looks, you know, I don't know, like, like, like spiritual. Right. And it's just stupid.
2: Sometimes the answer to the prayer, to prayer is not a quick fix. Sometimes it is a long and curvy road. Mm -hmm. And, and that doesn't mean that it's any less effective. That just means sometimes it takes a little longer than we'd like, man,
1: so staying with this whole like church theme, spiritual theme and depression, John, how would you say that your quote unquote, like your faith life or your quote unquote, like spiritual life, um, your view of God, your view of salvation, whatever, um, has been affected by struggling with
2: this? Um, that's a good question. Um, I don't think that it's been, negatively impacted, I think if anything, I've seen that there are people out there who um, struggle just like me, and there are people out there who are more than ready to help. Mm. Um, And and like to go back to what we were talking about before, there are people out there who- um,
1: That's awesome.
2: Not only are they ready to help, are willing to help and want to help, but they are fully capable of Of helping find that solution, man, you know, bring that light to that darkness you know when when you feel out of control, yeah and and so i I see the hope you know and I, I feel hopeful and, man that's great yeah, and i just I just want other people to know that you know there there are solutions out there and there are answers and mm. there are people that can help you if you just you know seek seek it go out and try to find it i mean there are definitely resources all over the place especially now with the uh you know with the internet and everything i mean there are no shortage of of places you know in in almost any town um you know where you can go and get help you know for for any number of you know mental illnesses i'm not just talking about depression either i've i've seen firsthand the effects of bipolar disorder you know i had a kid that worked for me sure um who who suffered from it and it's a scary thing when it's untreated and schizophrenia oh, as well. Dude. Yeah, and so these aren't things that that can just go away on their own. These are things that need treatment. We have effective treatment for them, mm. um, but I think we have to start with the fact that, especially as Christians, that this is not a weakness. This is not something to brush under the rug. People are dying from this every day, mm. um, and, and uh, you know, this is something that we as as folks who, who don't suffer from it um, the best thing that they can do is, is help support that individual and, and say you know what don't be ashamed we're going to get through this together and the best advice that for example that my dad's doctor ever gave us when they were trying to find the right balance of medication for him is you know you just have to say look I love you I just want you to be better. That's awesome. Amethyst and flowers on the table Is it real or a fake
1: I think this is kind of important for the people that listen to this show. Mm-hmm. Like we're we're a podcast that deals with concepts that often alienate people from their families their churches, their tribes, their friends. And we've been talking about depression and anxiety and mental illness on this, um, in this conversation. And I just think that we, we've got to bring it back to, you know, this, we, we call it deconstruction, but Mm -hmm. most of the people listening to this have had some kind of a trauma. I know I have, like, I don't, I don't struggle with depression in the way that you do or anxiety or things like that. I've never, uh, had that kind of experience, um, but I have felt the anxiety um, of knowing that I've been repressing things, mm-hmm. and knowing that I've been um, artificially upholding "quote unquote" beliefs just to maintain connection with people, my family specifically, my my friends, my mom, my own identity, like the way that I've often constructed. Um, the vision of who I see myself being and becoming and a lot of the concepts of you know, wrestling with like, do I think the Bible is really literally true? Do I think that Jesus is literally what I've always been told? Do I think that God is what I've been told that he or it or whatever is? And a lot of that is just a question mark for me right now. And I'm a pastor and I'm a person that's had a faith community for a long time that a lot of the people coming along with me aren't asking those questions or feel like there's something wrong with you if you are. And I do feel some anxiety because of that, but I imagine those listening, maybe yourself included, John, I'd love to hear what you think about this. Does this exacerbate that for you or for others? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Are there people, are you or people listening to the show? Like, does this make matters worse?
2: Oh, I I think it certainly can. Um, For me, I think I was almost fortunate in the regard that when I was dealing with my depression issues, it, it was kind of before I started diving into the deconstruction of my own faith. But I think for people that are kind of dealing with both simultaneously, yeah. I mean, that could absolutely be traumatic in to the highest order, you know? And, uh, you know, when, when, when you start to kind of pull things apart and if you get to the level where you're like, I don't know if God exists, phew, and you're dealing with depression at the same time where you're, where you're really suffering from a lack of hope in general, um, you know, that could, that could be absolutely devastating.
1: You know, I think it's like anything else, you know, a lot of people from what I know, and you know, my, my knowledge is all theoretical. So I'll just caveat with saying that mostly theoretical, but what I do know is that a lot of times with anxiety and depression, um, sometimes it just happens. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it just hits you like a wave. I've literally heard people say that. I was sitting in my office. I was sitting at my computer. Everything was fine. And then I was in a panic attack. I was in the throes of a panic attack. And that panic attack started some thing in my body, in my chemistry that never stopped.
2: Mm -hmm. And-
1: I eventually needed to seek medication or whatever. So there are some people where it quote unquote hits them out of nowhere. And you know, whether or not that's true, whether or not there's things that, you know, have been repressed or whatever that we need to talk about neither here nor there. But then some people, they know that there's just been a lot, you know, it doesn't hit them out of nowhere. It's been this long kind of slow struggle. Like you talked about, like, you know, I knew back in my teenage years or whatever, but then, so my point in talking about all this is for those people that you can attribute it to something. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe your spouse left you or you found out your spouse is cheating on you. Maybe your parents got divorced. You know, maybe you got picked on as a kid. Maybe there were financial troubles. Maybe, you know, there was just some, if there was a death in the family. Something happened. And you can say, pretty much since then, I've been struggling. Yeah, And that's real. And then, okay, so that means you had a platform. You had something solid in your life that became not solid. Maybe it vanished completely, be it the relationship between your parents, you and your parents, you and your partner, whatever. God works that way or faith works that way. One day it seems solid and you're standing on it. Yeah. The next day it's like not so solid. And then someday, one day you wake up and you're like, I don't even know if it's there anymore, and I feel like I'm falling. And if you struggle with anxiety and depression,
2: yeah, and, and a lot of that too. You talk about um, traumatic events in a person's life. Um, at the very least, if if medication isn't the right avenue for you, at the very least, there is so much benefit to going to somebody, um, you know, a counselor, a therapist, you know, just someone that can help you walk through it yeah somebody somebody that you can talk to vent to uh somebody who's trained as a professional who can help you manage Mm. that in your life and i'm not saying i'm certainly not saying that 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 medication is always the answer um not not everyone's uh issues are you know a (laughs) a chemical imbalance in the brain right like some are though, and I'm saying in those cases where you've absolutely tried everything, I, I certainly advocate exercise and a good diet, and um, you know, and and community, and community, and and you know, being being able to be honest with someone, um, you know, and, and be able to talk to someone, your best friend, your wife, your spouse, you know, wh- whoever. Yeah. But I'm saying when when all of those things aren't working, right, then. You know, there's there's nothing wrong with with going to therapy and, and talking to someone that doesn't make you weak. That doesn't make you broke. You know, we're all broken, dude. Let's be real. Come on, we're all a little broken, and it's, it's part of nothing being wrong with it. alive. Yeah, it's part of existing. Life will knock the shit out of you. It's
1: part of it,
2: and it's just because a matter of how real. we respond. Yes. yes, it's all about how we respond. Gotta get rid of the stigma, man. Yeah. Like if you want to be the best person, the most full, whole person you can be, there are people out there with giftings who can help you. That's what I'm saying. You man,
1: know? It's and like our uh, our friend Colin Rigsby and you know the Vespertine song, like we all make different sounds when we break.
2: Yeah. I love, I love that line, man. <laughs> I love that line. It's so true. You know what I think of too? Uh we we had the benefit um, you know, recently of being able to go to uh to see Peter Rollins live, our 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 BFF, um, best friends forever. He is the sweetest man on the planet. He really is. Him and I would say Alexander Shy. Those oh, two, dear. come on, knocking that, out of the park, man. But uh, but but Peter like does this amazing live show called Pints and Parables. And one of the parables, not to give it away, but um, kind of the moral of the story of one of the parables that he 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 um, he does in this live show is that there's this woman who loses a child. Oh right, right yeah. And and the, the moral of the story is that you know you you can't bring that child back, but there are others somewhere who mm-hmm. have dealt with the same trauma that you have yep. that can help walk you through that, and, and to embrace that suffering and to and to grieve appropriately, right? And to and to be able to, um, in a sense. Um, pick up the pieces and yeah, move man. on, you know?
1: And like for, you know, for others of you that are listening to this program right now, um, even if you don't struggle, may, maybe you're more like me and, you know, it's not something that hits you acutely. Maybe it hits you in small ways, but not in a way that you've needed. Like I've, I've, I've been in and out of counseling, like ever since I was finally wise enough to go, you <laughs> yeah. know, like a decade ago. And uh, I've got a great counselor that um, I, I'm in and out of seeing all the time but um, I've never had to be medicated and maybe that's you and maybe you're like, oh, I don't struggle with this. But you know what? Um, You don't know what's going to happen down the road and there are people around you and to be sensitive about this, um, going through, if you're listening to this program, going through this deconstruction, going through these changes and these evolutions um, do produce a certain level of anxiety and if you're unaware of that or if you're not admitting that, mm-hmm. that's probably really unhealthy. Like if you, if you have your chest puffed out and you've got your cape flapping in the breeze and yeah. you just think you're awesome because you're deconstructing, you're probably about to fall off a cliff and mm-hmm. you don't know it. Or you're probably hurting a lot of people around you yeah, um, by flaunting it. And, and that's not good either. That's evidence of another kind of mental... Um, illness, you know, maybe being a sociopath or (laughs) (laughs) just having absolutely no compassion at all. My point in saying all this is is no matter if you suffer with it or not, it affects you. It affects everyone around you. And uh, that, that Pete Rollins parable is so great because when you start to talk to people and you start to become vulnerable, you start to connect and new life almost starts to resurrect where that loss was. Yeah. You know, that is so cool. So, you know, you lost this thing, you lost your faith, you lost your tribe, you lost your parent, you lost whatever. And the more you process that with other people and you let them share their stories, mm-hmm. this new kind of life emerges that uh, it, it's brand new. It doesn't just take the place of that other thing, mm-hmm. it's a new space. It's, it's just beautiful.
2: Yeah. And for, for me, um, it took me a long time. Even though I wasn't in a in a church situation or even in, in a family situation where I was necessarily shamed, you know, uh, in any way, I, I always f- felt supported. Even even having said all of that, it took me a long time to be able to admit to anyone around me, even in my inner circle, that hey, I'm on medication for this. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it took me a long time, but when I finally did, it was amazing how many other people that I know around me who are like, oh yeah, dude, you know. I'm on. I'm on that too, <laughs> or I'm on this, or You're I'm like, on what? this other thing. Tell I'm me like, about that, huh? How did it go for you? Like, yeah, oh my gosh, it's amazing, incredible. And let me just say that the women listening out there, um, postpartum is a real deal, <sighs> and it it's a don't I know it? It's it's a rough, rough thing. It's real, and and um, I, I know a ton of women who finally just realize that hey, I i need i need something i need some sort of help and we're able to reach out and get that help and
1: absolutely
2: and uh my you know, wife oh my gosh dude mine too. hit, hit yeah. her
1: hard mm. super hard extra medication extra counseling extra everything
2: yeah yeah <laughs> something guys will never understand but nope. you know it's that but we get to experience <laughs> yeah. on the other side of it mm-hmm <laughs> yeah yeah and, and and the best thing that we can do is guys is just be as supportive as humanly possible and say like you know what i will do whatever it takes to anything to, to to get you to a place where you feel whole and well again yeah so man. now To close this up, I just want to say a few things about the nature of depression. And that is that depression is a common, common mental disorder. People around you uh, are, are dealing with this now. This is something that is not just a weakness. It's not something that um, is, a, is a character flaw. This is something that is common. And you are surrounded by people who are dealing with this now. Um, recent stats from the, uh, uh, on a worldwide basis here, globally an estimated 350 million people of all ages suffer from depression. This is something that is rampant globally. Depression is actually the leading cause of disability worldwide and is a major contributor to the overall global burden of disease. Now, even though I mentioned earlier, more women are affected by depression than men, um, it's still an issue for both genders. At worst, depression can lead to suicide. And I I would imagine there are people listening to this now who have been affected by that and who that rings true to. And for those people, I am really, really sorry. Um, There are effective treatments out there for depression. And so the idea behind this episode is to say, hey, if it's not you, it's someone around you and we can do better. We can help those people. We can support those people. We can get them treatment that they need. So as I said, depression is a common illness worldwide where an estimated 350 million people are affected. It's different than just you know, a mood fluctuation and a short-lived emotional response to challenges that you might be dealing with in your everyday life. This is something that's long lasting with moderate or severe intensity and it may become a serious health condition. So if you're noticing this in the people around you, um, you know, this, this is something that can manifest and, and, and create uh, you know, issues in their work life, and their family life. Um, and, and like I said, at worst, it can lead to suicide. The most sobering statistic that I've found is that over 800,000 people die due to suicide every year. Suicide is the second leading cause of death in 15 to 29 year olds. And in some countries that is actually on the rise. So what I'm saying is overall, it is second only to automobile related deaths. That if it was any other illness would be an epidemic. And even though. We know these stats, and we know that there are treatments out there available to help people in these situations. Fewer than half of those affected in the entire world, and it's and in a lot of countries, fewer than ten percent actually re- receive such treatments. And there are a whole host of reasons why why this could be, you know, just you know, inadequate medical care, misdiagnosis, things of that nature. But the the fact of the matter is that a lot of it is stigma, and a lot of it is is just. Um, not understanding the nature of the illness. So as we said in the episode, there are a lot of symptoms. There are a lot of resources online. Um, You know, uh, obviously it's gotten to the point where it's seen as, as enough of an issue worldwide that um, uh, the world health assembly uh, passed a resolution in May of 2013 that called for comprehensive coordinated response to mental health disorders at country level. It's gotten to that 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 level. Um, so if you or anyone you know are dealing with any kind of illness uh, beyond just uh, depression, um, just know that there are resources available to you. Uh, especially now, you know, with the internet, there are resources in your town. I guarantee it. There are people you can talk to. Um, and if you're in a, s- a situation, if you're in a church or if you're in a community that doesn't support. You're going to see you know, some sort of specialist, then get out. You need to get help. Make sure it doesn't get to the point where it gets so severe that you think that your only option is to take your own life. So I just want to offer the, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. If you or anyone you know um, is at the level where they feel like they might hurt themselves or they have no other option, please call this number. It's one 800 273 Eight two five five. It's available twenty four hours every single day, and there are people there that can help you. Please, like, if, if you guys have any stories or if you guys feel like um, this did something for you, um, we are always available uh, to talk to. But again, if it's that severe, uh, please call that that, that number. Um, again, I, I'll, I'll give it one more time: one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five. And we just hope that this uh, benefited you guys in some way.